cherish that if you would. Continuing on uh, with our series on the judges, uh, specifically now uh, this one judge named Samson. The story of Samson and Delilah's romance is one of lies, love, and loss. And their story has a lot to teach you and me. Their story doesn't teach us lessons about genuine love. It doesn't teach us stories about genuine romance. Instead, it points out the dangers of what happens when God's people get too close to the enemy. Are you hearing me, church? The story warns us what happens when God's people get too close to the enemies of God. Their story stands as a constant warning to those who like to play with sin. Their story is a reminder to all that sin is deadly and sin is destructive. There may be pleasure in sin for a season, but in the end, it is never worth the pleasure it provides. So let's take another dip, if we will, another dip into the cesspool of Samson's life as I share a message with you entitled The Romance of Samson and Delilah. First of all, I want to point out as you go in your Bibles to Judges chapter 16, that's page 233 in the Bibles in front of you if you want to use those. Judges chapter 16. But I want to point out that their romance, the romance of Samson and Delilah, was built on love. Listen to what the fourth verse of Judges chapter 16 tells us. Starts off with the word afterward. After Samson got through with his little visit to the prostitute in Gaza, right? Remember last week? Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman. He loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to Delilah and said to her, Entice him, entice Samson, and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him. That we may bind him to afflict him and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of of silver. 1,100 pieces of silver. So we're told right out of the bat, right out of the gate, that Samson loved a woman. Now this doesn't come as any surprise to you or me because this is the third woman that the Bible records Samson being with. And there's probably a whole lot more than just that. First of all, there was that Philistine woman at Timnah. You remember her? He married her and then he abandoned her. And then there was that prostitute, that harlot in Gaza who almost got Samson killed. And now we read of yet another Philistine woman named Delilah. 
Samson's life has been characterized by these immoral sexual relationships. It seems that Samson is always attracted to women that God said was off limits. By the way, the same is true for people in our day. The Lord created you and I with sexual desires, and those desires are always good as long as they are within the confines of marriage. As long as they are within the boundaries of marriage. However, when we step outside those boundaries, when we step outside God's boundaries of marriage to fulfill our sexual desires, the Bible teaches us that that's the point where we cross over to sin. That's when we cross over to sin. Listen, God wants His people to be sexually pure. How do you know, Bill? Well, the Bible gives us examples in at least three places. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul wrote to that church to flee sexual immorality. For every sin that a man does outside his body, but he that commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Our Lord Jesus said in Matthew 5, He said, you heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has committed adultery already in his heart. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in chapter 4, verse 3. And he said, for this is the will of God. Now, when I hear that, my radar goes up. For this is the will of God, our sanctification. This is the will of God that we become more like Jesus. That's what sanctification is. Becoming more like Jesus. So that you should abstain from sexual immorality for God has not called you to uncleanness. God has called you to holiness. But it's interesting to me that the Bible never says that Samson loved that Philistine woman from Timnah. The Bible never says that Samson loved that harlot from Gaza. But the Bible does say that Samson loved Delilah. But listen, y'all, the fact that Samson loved Delilah does not excuse him from his sin. Samson sinned because he was guilty of sexual immorality. And sadly, there is a lack of morality in our world today. A lack of morality. And even in the church, even among Christians, even among those who call themselves Christians, there's an alarming problem with immorality. Friend, did you know that the rate of sexual immorality in the church is almost the same level as it is in the world? Listen, y'all, that should not be. We are God's children called to be sexually pure. May God help every one of us strive for that goal. However, I want you to know this. If you failed in this area of sexual immorality, you need to know there's forgiveness available. 
you need to know that there's restoration available. If you haven't failed in this area, I want you to know that there is strength in the Lord to help you stay pure for the glory of God. Those who know the Lord ought to keep themselves clean. Those who know the Lord ought to keep themselves unpolluted from this immoral, godless world we live in. We ought to stay holy, stay pure, stay separated from the world with which we live. Young people, listen carefully. You can wait. You can wait until you're married to be sexually active. Single adults, you can keep your bodies a temple of the Holy Spirit. Married couples, you can be faithful to your spouse, both mentally and physically. You can do this if you truly desire and you're willing to surrender yourself to the Spirit of God. So, Samson loved a woman. But the Bible tells us that Delilah loved wealth. Delilah loved wealth. While Samson loved Delilah, she apparently did not love him. Because the Bible tells us that the Lord of the Philistines came to Delilah wanting her to entice Samson, wanting her to act like an innocent person in order to deceive Samson. These men want Delilah to play dumb. They want her to play dumb and do everything that she can to find out the secret to Samson's great strength. And so Delilah goes along with their plan. Why? Because their offer, their offer of 1,100 pieces of silver each would make Delilah a very wealthy woman. 1,100 pieces of silver each. In today's money, that'd be about $750,000. Would you betray your lover for three quarters of a million dollars? Don't answer that question. Because you ain't got no business having a lover, amen? But Delilah didn't care about Samson. He didn't, she didn't care about him. All he was to Delilah was a lottery ticket. All she had to do was play along and she'd be one more wealthy woman. Now what a picture that is. What a picture that is of how sin and Satan works in our lives. Think of it. The Lord don't want us falling into traps of modern day Delilah's. He doesn't want us falling into traps of the devil. Instead, what does he do? He enables us to escape the traps. He enables us to avoid the traps if we will just, listen y'all, if we will just keep our eyes on him. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible tells us that no temptation has overtaken you except that which was, has been common to man. But God is faithful. He is faithful who will not, say not, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also allow, make a way of escape so that you may be able to resist it. God doesn't want us falling for the traps of modern-day Delilah's or the traps of the devil. So, the romance of Samson and Delilah was built on his love for women 
and her love for wealth. But their romance was also built on something else. Their romance was also built on a bed of lies. Let's continue reading in Judges chapter 16 and verse 6. After she gets this offer of three quarters of a million dollars in modern day money, Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me. Y'all get that? If they bind me. Samson knew what was going on here. Samson knew that the lords of the Philistines were behind what Delilah was asking. If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, yet not dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn that breaks when it touches fire. And so the secret of Samson's strength was not known. Verse 10, Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me with what you may be bound. And so he said to her, If they, here we go again, right? If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in wait staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. Verse 13, Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me with what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you, you notice that? Verse 2 test, If they bind me, if they bind me, this time Delilah says, If you, until now you've mocked me, and he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head, my hair, into the web of loom, and so she wove it tightly in the batten of the loom, and he said and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he pulled up the batten after he woke from his sleep, and he went from his room. Here's the bottom line of all this. Neither Samson nor Delilah was being honest with each other. If you are going to have any kind of decent relationship, the only way that it can survive, the only way that it can thrive, is for it to be built on truth and honesty. If you don't have truth and honesty in your relationship, you ain't got no relationship. Can I get an amen? Come on. So let's take a hard look at the lies of Samson and Delilah. First of all, Samson's lies were senseless. When Delilah begins asking Samson about the source of his great strength, he plays with her. He plays with her, thinking that he is far smarter than she'll ever be. After all, he's the strong judge of Israel, and she ain't nothing but a Philistine woman. So, he doesn't believe that there's any way that she can harm him. But just look at the ways that he tries to deceive her. There in verse 7 to 10, Samson said, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, 
They didn't know what a bowstring was. A bowstring was basically a strip of animal intestines. It was a strip of animal intestines that when it was dried was incredibly strong. But when they were fresh, when they were like this, when they were fresh, they were very weak and they could be broken very easily. So Delilah binds him with these weak bowstrings and she tells him, the Philistines are here. And Samson breaks those fresh bowstrings like they were yarn in a fire. You can almost hear Samson laughing at her. You can almost hear him laughing at the Philistines who were lying in wait. Afterward, Delilah says, you're just mocking me and telling me lies. And she begs him to tell her the truth. So in verse 11, Samson says, if they bind me securely with new ropes. New ropes are very strong, y'all. Very strong. An ordinary man, which Samson was not, could not break new ropes. But again, Samson toys with her. Samson thinks this is a game. How many of you know that it wasn't no game? He's toys with Delilah. He toys with the Philistines. And Delilah binds him with these new ropes. And he breaks them like they were pieces of thread. Again, Delilah confronts Samson, tells him he's a liar, and that she needs, he needs to tell her the truth. And so finally in verse 13, Samson says, If you, if you will weave seven locks of my head, seven locks of my hair into the web of a loom, I will become weak. He says, if you'll weave my hair into a loom, into the mechanism of a loom that weaves fabric and such, then I will lose my strength. Did you notice that Samson is getting closer and closer and closer to telling Delilah the truth about the secret to his strength? We know that part of the secret to his strength was the fact that his hair never was cut. He was a Nazarite, and his hair was to never be cut, and that was one of the sources of his great strength. And so Samson instead, what does he do? He plays this dangerous, dangerous game. And listen, y'all, he's about to get burned. He's about to get burned. Delilah does, as Samson says, and he simply wakes up and he walks away with his hair attached to the mechanism of that loom. What is important to see here is that while he was busy toying and playing with Delilah about the source of his strength, he was also playing with sin. Samson was also flirting with sin. Flirting with it. See, that's the problem with sin, y'all. That's the problem with sin is people play with it. How many times have you played with sin and got burned? Don't answer that question. Amen. I know that we all have. But there are people who go as far as they can without actually crossing the line. Or so they think. So that they don't sin. Jesus made it very clear. If you don't get anything else from me today, get this. Jesus was very clear that sin in the heart is sin already. Sin in the heart is sin 
already, even if it's never carried out in the flesh. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure, here comes, of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. You heard it when he was talking about sexual immorality. He said, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. See, most people think, oh, I can control my sin. They think I can control my sin. But in truth, if it weren't for the grace of God, friend, sin would have absolute control over us entirely. Sin always becomes our master whenever we allow it to gain even a little bit of a foothold. I read a story about radio host Paul Harvey. Who remembers Paul Harvey and the rest of the story? Amen. Well, Paul Harvey tells the story of how an Eskimo kills a wolf. It's kind of gross, so bear with me. But here's how an Eskimo kills a wolf. He gives us this vivid picture of an Eskimo with a large knife. And what the Eskimo does is he takes his blade and he coats it up one side and down the other with blood. And then he allows that blood to freeze. After it's frozen, he takes another layer of blood on each side and he allows it to freeze. Over and over again, he puts blood on the blade and allows it to freeze so that you can't tell that it's a blade. Then what he does is he sticks the blade into the snow with that frozen, bloody blade sticking up. When the wolf follows that bloody scent to the blade, what's the first thing that he does? He begins to lick it. Tastes good to So he begins to lick it more vigorously. And then he licks it harder and harder and harder. Feverishly now, he begins to lick that blade to get that blood. So great is his craving for blood that the wolf doesn't notice the razor sharp sting on his own tongue. Furthermore, the wolf doesn't notice that his insatiable thirst is being quenched by his own warm blood. His carnivorous appetite craves more and more and more until somebody finds him dead in the snow the next morning. is a fearful thing that people can be consumed by our own insatiable desires. It's only the grace of God that keeps me and keeps you from the same fate as that wolf. 
when we play with sin, we are headed for a fall. Samson toyed with these senseless lies, and ultimately, you're going to find out it's going to cost him his life. But while Samson's lies were senseless, Delilah's lies were sinister. Samson thought that he was toying with Delilah, but Delilah was playing Samson like a cheap fiddle. She was setting Samson up for a fall. Samson lied to her, thinking that he was all smart and smarter than she was. But she lied to Samson because she was smarter than he was. Delilah played her part. She lured Samson in to her web like a spider lures a fly into its web. And then she began to beg. She began to beg and to plead, to whine and to cry day after day, all day long, until finally she wore Samson down. Again, Delilah is a picture of how sin and Satan works in our lives. Sin is relentless, sin is aggressive, and sin is persistent. Sin hammers away until your resistance is worn down. Hammers away until you give in. When you do, like Samson, you always, always lose. Always lose. So the best advice that I can give you today, the best advice I can offer you today is for you and for me to put as much distance between us and the sources of temptation and the sources of sin as possible. Stay away from the blade or you're going to end up like the wolf. Playing with sin is like playing with fire. Eventually you're going to get burned. Sin always costs and sin is never cheap. I read this, that sin will take you farther than you want to go. That sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And that sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Sure words have never been spoken. Why? Because Satan will not stop until he's ruined your life. Satan will not stop, friend. He will not back down until sin has taken everything you value. Your marriage, your family, your home, your business, your friends, your church. It will not stop. He will not stop. As I told the children Wednesday, he hates you, he hates your family, he hates your church, and he hates all your friends. And he wants to do anything that he can to destroy you. He will not stop until you're broken and of no use to God. That's his goal. Like Delilah, the lies of Satan and sin 
are wicked as they can be and destructive to the core. Now there's a prison in Manhattan, New York, and it's fittingly called the Tombs. Can you imagine having to go to a prison nicknamed the Tombs, right? Well, not long after a wealthy contractor finished building the Tombs, he was found guilty of forgery. And you're never going to believe where he was sentenced to serve out. built it got put in the tombs as he was escorted to a cell of his own making are you following me church as he was escorted to a cell of his own making the contractor said I never dreamed that when I built this prison I'd be an inmate Satan is more than happy to escort you into a cell of your own making. That's the trouble with sin. That's the trouble with sin. We rarely stop to think about the consequences of our actions. And like Samson, it'll cost you more than you God is building something in you. God is creating a story within you. And your story is to be His story. Your story is to be history. You get it? No, I get it. Your story is to be His story. So I want to ask you a question this morning. How will your story be written? In the last 12 months, I've done more than my share of funerals. Praise the Lord that for those that were saved, those that were born again, it's not easy, but it's easy to conduct a a funeral for a God-fearing child of God. But for more than one, I've had to do the funeral and try to tell the story of somebody that doesn't know Jesus. And I'm not one of those preachers that's going to offer up false hope. I'm not going to address it. I'm not going to try to to grind the wound into the family but in my heart oh I sure do struggle I sure do struggle with what their story was listen y'all you got a story and some of us need to change the ending to our story We need to change the ending to our story. And if you need to change the ending to your story, the time to change is now. Now. At least you'll be able to look back tomorrow to today and say, I changed my story. Jesus changed my story. 
My life is no longer about me. It's about the one who gave me a story. Time to deal with sin is now. The time for you to come to Jesus is now. So that you can look back tomorrow and say, Jesus changed my story. Maybe it's time for you to make a break with the Delilah in your life. The influence of sin and Satan in your life. Listen, if you're going to make a break with your Delilah, the time is now. And that's what the conclusion of every worship service that we do is about. We never fail here at Bethel to offer an invitation. An invitation for you to change your story. An invitation for you to come to Christ of your own volition. Say, I ain't got no story. So I'm coming to the one who will give me one. And his name is Jesus Christ. If you're ready for your story to be changed, the time to change it is now. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you that we have the opportunity to